to believe. Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. I trust that you are being blessed in your home today. Well, let's just catch up of a little bit of the news on the hilltop here. Um, this last weekend, uh, we had a father-son camp for uh, fathers and, and their sons, older sons, and right down to little sons. There were about 200 fathers and sons who came, and uh, we they held it over on Sam and Serene's property, and uh, the meetings were at their big barn that they have, the wonderful barn we have over there, which Sam originally built uh, for all our weddings and all the weddings that are yet to come, but it has so many other uses. And all the guys were camped all around about in their uh, little tents and so on. And uh, they had the most amazing time with teaching them how to shoot and how to you know, with pistols and rifles and and uh, they had tomahawks and knife throwing and rappelling and um, goodness knows what, everything a, a boy could learn. And uh, it was really amazing. Many of them have never, never done many of the things that they had for them. And they had wonderful meetings in the barn. Uh, it was just a beautiful time of father-son relationships and it's just going to be the first of many it was just so amazing so now they've already got the date for next year and uh, my I think it would be worth uh, giving your husbands this date getting them to put it on their calendar the 10th to 13th of October 2024 uh, because uh, I just think it's one of the most greatest things that I have ever seen. It was so wonderful to just just see the just beautiful um, atmosphere and all the things that were happening. But we did have some challenges as they prepared for this camp um, just the week before. Sam was Sam, that Serene's husband, was up on a 20-foot ladder uh, doing something and uh, the, the ladder just slipped out from underneath him and uh, he just fell crashing to the ground and uh, he was just out to it, blood everywhere. His sons who were there, I, I think it was, oh, they were in terrible shock. I think they thought they had lost their dad. And um, they took him to hospital but we were all praying and uh, God just did such a wonderful, wonderful miracle. And uh, it, it was so unbelievable. He even came home that night. It was like he was raised from the dead. He still has um, something very wrong with his arm and his hand. But um, at least, as Sam said, he thinks it's the hand has actually saved his life. Um, anyway, and then two days later, Sam's right-hand man, who's been building with him for years, um, he fell also on the building as they were preparing. And uh, he ended up in hospital with eight broken ribs and a pierced lung. And uh, so they had challenges, but they 
kept going and uh, they ended up with this most wonderful uh, triumphant great weekend it was so great but not to be outdone uh, we also have a, a ladies uh, retreat coming up here in Tennessee some of the men came to me and said oh my wife is so jealous she wishes she could be here and I said well don't worry we have a ladies retreat coming up so actually we have two we have one in Missouri the first weekend of November. And then we have the one here in Tennessee, in Dixon, uh, the second weekend of November. They're coming up very quickly. So whichever one you are nearest to, um, do try and come. And you can go to the website aboverubies.org and go to um, retreats and if you click on that, you'll be able to go and find the information and to register. So don't come on your own. You can come with your daughters. And of course, if you have a nursing baby, you can bring your baby. We never say no to nursing babies at Above Ruby's retreats. In fact, I think it's so wonderful when you can come as three generations grandmothers, mothers, and children, daughters and babies. Yes, so um, don't come on your own. Bring a carload. Fill your car with your family or um, fill it with other ladies. Tell other ladies about these retreats. We haven't had a ladies retreat for a while because we've mostly been having family retreats and they have been just so amazing. But it's always lovely to have a ladies' retreat and there's something special about them. A weekend of being so encouraged in your role as a woman. I will be speaking on God's glorious design. But apart from the meetings is the wonderful fellowship that you can have with one another. And I think that is so important. I remember as I was raising our children, one of the greatest blessings was getting with other mothers. And uh, we, I used to do that in those days. We would arrange picnics together. We would have luncheons together. And of course, I had a ladies' Bible study in my home every week. And mothers and babies came. We often had more babies and little ones than mothers. And they would just take over my home. But what wonderful times. It was the fellowship together that got us through. So, do check out those ladies' retreats and do hope you can come. That would just be so great. Now, um, we have interrupted our series on God Loves Togethering because the last two weeks um, I interviewed Bethany Vaughan. Uh, her husband was kidnapped by the FBI um, at their home, at gunpoint and no warrant. Um, I'm sure you've already listened, but if you haven't yet listened to those podcasts, do listen. And the transcripts are already out. We're right up to date with transcripts. Uh, we do a transcript for each podcast. I have such a dear, wonderful lady, Darlene Norris, who 
just out of the love of her heart to just minister to ladies. She does these transcripts so they are available. Um, sometimes I can, you know, share scriptures that I may not even get time in the podcast and, and there's often little extra things there too for you. So go to them as well. Okay, and now we're back to uh, God Loves Togethering. And ladies, this is a very important subject. I hope you just won't turn it aside because the Word of God is filled with it. it it's just amazing and, uh, you know, I have already uh, given six sessions on this, and there's still so much more. And I'm not going to ever, ever give you all the scriptures on it. We'd be going all year. Um, there are so many. I'm just going to give you just a few more little tidbits today. But it's just the surface of what is there. If you could only understand how much togethering means to God. I think we don't understand because often we're not we're not in the word, we're not reading it, we're not just reading and, and, and getting God's heart. And, and these words come over and over of, of the assembling of his people, the togethering of his people, the congregation, the convocations, the getting together. God just loves it and he fills his word with it. And, and the word assembly, uh, it, it just occurs frequently in the Old and in the New Testament. And uh, that it's, it's what God, he, he doesn't just say the assembly of his people. He calls the assembling of his people, my assemblies, my assemblies. Did you get that, ladies? Yes, they're very personal to God. They're my assemblies. The gathering of God's people together, it belongs to him. You see, everything belongs to God. I think of Romans 11, verse um, 30, uh, 36, is it? For of him and through him and to him are all things. Everything is for him and it's through him. And it's of him. And even the assembling of ourselves together. Some people don't think much of it, but they don't realize that it's for God. It's from him because he's the one who advocated it. It's so much on his heart. He loves it. So it's from him and it's for him. And so we've just got to see it like God sees it, don't we? Um talking about how he says, my assemblies, I must share this with you because I've been noticing uh, just recently, reading Ezekiel 44, uh, God calls everything my. Yes, it, it belongs to him. In Ezekiel 44, he uses the word my 21 times. And he says, my sanctuary. He, he says that six times in that chapter. My house, my bread, my covenant, my holy things, my charge, my hand, my table, my people, my judgments, my laws, 
my statutes, my assemblies, my Sabbaths. We might just may sort of gloss over all these things, but they belong to God. They're precious to him, and they should be very precious to us. In Ezekiel 34, uh, he says the word my 18 times. He says, he calls his people my flock 12 times in one chapter. My flock, my sheep, my pasture, my people, my shepherds, and my hill. That's talking about his holy mountain, Jerusalem. And then in Ezekiel chapter 16, uh, it, it talks about my children. I'm always challenged by that. You know, we talk about my children, these children are my children, or our children, they belong to both our husband and me, my husband and me, your husband and you. Uh, but God says, no, they are my children. That's a challenge, isn't it? We just can't, you know, train them how we like. We've got to train them for God because they ultimately belong to him. And then, uh, let's see, Joel chapter 1. Yes, here it says, um, my land. Yes, God uses that often throughout the scriptures, my land. Well, we're facing this on the world stage at the moment, aren't we? As Hamas has just come in and, and invaded Israel with such atrocities, coming into God's land. Yes, God says it's my land. And even the area from which they came from Gaza is God's land. Yes, and uh, the Israelites, the Jews there, they had that land. And uh, years ago, they gave it back. They gave it, just handed it over to these Palestinians for peace. Did they get peace? No, they've never had peace since they handed it over. They were not meant to hand it over. They handed over God's land to people to whom it did not belong. Because God said, that is my land, and I have given it to you for an everlasting possession. And that's the word of the Lord. In fact, Jeremiah 23, 8 says, The Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, and from all countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Because though it's ultimately God's land, he gave it to them. And uh, so nations better be pretty careful when they come against God's land. That same chapter, Joel 1, my land, my vine, my fig tree. This is some of the names he calls Israel, my people, my heritage. My silver, my gold, my precious treasures, my holy mountain. Go to Jeremiah 23. And 18 times in this chapter, God says, my, again, my pasture, 
my people, my flock, my house, my counsel, my words. Five times he says my words, my name. And uh, in Leviticus 23, it talks about the feasts that God has ordained for his people. We usually think of them as the Jewish feasts of Passover and Pentecost and Feast of Tabernacles and so on. But that's not what the Bible calls them. Do you know what he calls them? He calls them my feasts. They belong to him. He ordained them. And they're God's. But when we begin to see all these things, that they are God's, they belong to him, they become even more precious to us. And they also become a greater challenge to us that we will be part of what belongs to him. Because if we belong to him, we will want to be part of what belongs to him. Can you say amen to that? I hope so. Okay, now a new Hebrew word for today uh, regarding the assembling of God's people. Now, ladies, um, when I first started this series, I told you that I found 12 different Hebrew words uh, to describe the assembling of God's people. God doesn't limit it to one word. He has so many words for it. But... Then I had to tell you a few sessions on that, no, there's more than 12. I found 14. Well, ladies, forgive me, I was wrong. Because now, up to date, and I hope that I've got them all now, I have found 17. Can you believe it? I just keep discovering them all the time. This is the amazing thing about the Word of God. Oh, it's so rich. It's so endless. And the more we delve into it, the more we find. And I think I've found them all now, but maybe not. But so far, there's 17. Now, I'm not going to go through all these words. We'd be here forever, but just a few more of them. And uh, But isn't it just so amazing? Um you know, this is how God feels about this. And thinking of that and thinking of how, okay, I was wrong. I was all, always discovering. You know, I have changed my understanding on so many issues as the years have gone by. And I think we have to be open to do that, don't you? We can't be just stuck, okay? I, I believe this. Many times we believe things because of just how we were brought up. That's what we were taught, and so that's what we believe. But when we actually begin to delve more into the Word of God, we find, wow, no, that's not actually true, and we've got to expand our understanding, and we've got to sometimes repent, and then we've got to say, Lord, God, yes, I understand that now and I will walk in your ways. Like I didn't always understand the full revelation of God's truth about having children. Oh, if only that is perhaps the greatest regret of my whole life. Many times Colin and I look at one another and we just say, oh, 
If only we could have had 12 children. I mean, we were blessed with six amazing children and then we adopted four more. But we didn't understand fully. We were never a couple who were close to children. I, I Even before I had the revelation of, of, of God's heart to totally just yield my womb to the Lord completely, I, I could never have even with a 40-foot pole touched the pill or any of those kind of contraceptions um, or anything like that. And, and even when I didn't understand, I heard people choosing a tubal ligation and I, it, it just revolted me from within to think that someone would want to uh, cut off or just, you know, stop some part of their body that God had given to them uh, from his divine creation. But I didn't understand at all. But God knew my heart was open and he began to reveal to me his ways and and, and so I began to walk into the understanding of the fullness of God's truth and, and that how he created us. Our, our, our womanly creation is for the blessing of bringing forth children. And the greatest blessing and the greatest, most powerful thing we can do in this earth and even for eternity is to bring forth an eternal soul. And, uh, of course, on many, many areas. I remember, oh, a few months ago, I was writing my daily Facebook that I write to encourage um, you. I, I hope you get to check them out and be encouraged. I, I do a devotion every week, um, which you can get by email. And uh, I do that to encourage you as mothers and wives. I also like to send out Facebook um, message every day or most days to encourage you. Anyway, one day I was writing about clothing. Sometimes I'll write about clothing and uh, just saying how that, you know, I believe that especially in this hour of uh, this transgenderism and, and uh, you know, this total just uh, mix-up of the sexes, how we should embrace who we are as women and dress femininely, and especially when we go out, to wear a dress and look like a woman, for goodness sake. I think it's time we did look like women. Anyway, on the thread, someone answered, and they were very upset with me. In fact, they said, I am cancelling right now. I'm not coming back to this Facebook because Nancy Campbell, I remember I was at a retreat and I remember in a Q&A, the question was asked, should women wear pants? And you said, well, as long as you dress femininely and you may wear a very feminine blouse, well, okay, that would be okay. I mean, I was just perhaps compromising. But I didn't really have the full convictions that I have now. And I have changed. Yes, there were times when I would be wear pants. But I do not now. Okay, I'll go out to the garden on a muddy day and get my old pants on to get down on my knees and dig in the garden. But when I go out the door to go out where people are, 
I'm going to be a testimony to who God created me to be as a woman. And so I'm going to wear a dress because that is what personifies a woman. I mean, let's face it. Every single restroom you go to in the world, we know which one to go to because for the men, it has the stick figure of the pants. For the women, it has the stick figure of the skirt. How much longer will they be doing that? Because all these women with their pants go into the skirt one. Now, isn't that amazing? You see, that's really what shows we are a woman. And I don't believe we're going to turn back the tide of this evil that we're facing in our society today of people just turning away from male and female and no longer revealing who they truly are. So I am going to be a testimony of who God created me to be. So yes, I've changed my convictions. And I think we can change. And I was sad that that woman felt like that, that I had to stick to my old convictions, which really were not right. You see, we've got to be open to be changing all the time, don't we? So anyway, that's a little bypass as we're going along. All right. So the word I'm giving you today is ya'ad. And it means to assemble by appointment. To gather together, to summon, to meet at a certain time and place, to meet by agreement. It speaks of the congregation assembling to worship God or hear from him at designated times and places. Now, in the word, uh, God did give specific times, and I did a podcast on that, on the times, and you can go back to to that one, um, the times of the daily times, and uh, he gave the morning and the evening, and uh, I go into that more, how that um, everything in the tabernacle, God commanded them to do in the morning and in the evening. Those were the meeting times with God. And so they were a type for us today. So in our home, we like to keep to those. And so we, in the morning, we come together as a family to hear the word of God and to worship the Lord and to pray. And of course, the altar of incense, which speaks of prayer and worship, um, that was every morning and every evening they had to light that incense. And so uh, then he gave the daily and the weekly and the yearly appointments. And we talked about that in another podcast. But I'd just like to remind you of the places uh, where God said he wanted them to meet. Um, there were three specific places. The first one at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Uh, that was where you first came into the tabernacle and where they were sacrificing the lamb or the, you know, the bullock or whatever. And then later in the temple. And in Exodus 29, 42 to 46, it says, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations, at 
the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Whenever you read before the Lord in the King James Version, it literally means in the presence of the Lord. God was there and they were coming to meet him. Where I will meet you to speak there unto you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God loves his people. He loves to meet with his people. He loves to meet with us personally. Everything starts personally, then in the family. He wants to meet with us as a family every morning, every evening. We've got to start in the home, ladies. This is where it starts. And uh, so we talk about this one. It's the morning, it's the place where they did the morning and the evening sacrifice. And then, uh, secondly, it says, at the altar of incense, Exodus 30, 6 to 8, where I will meet with thee, because it's been talking in that whole chapter about the altar of incense, and Aaron shall burn thereof sweet incense every morning and at evening. And uh, so once again, every morning and every evening they came to burn the sweet incense, which filled the tabernacle with a beautiful sweet incense. And uh, that spoke of prayer and worship. So that is the type coming every morning, every evening. That's the leaf. You can come more. You can come all day. But we need to make at least those times. Because do you listen to what he said? There. I will meet with thee. Do you want to meet with God? Yes, we all long to meet with God. We long for his presence. And we can know his presence moment by moment in our lives. But God also wants these special meeting times. And then thirdly, in the holy of holies, where back there in Old Testament times only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. Exodus twenty-five, twenty-two, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony. But now, wonderful ladies. We can all go in to the Holy of Holies. That curtain that blocked every other man from going in, that only allowed the high priest in once every year and taking the blood, otherwise he would die. But now, because Jesus shed his blood, and when that happened, that curtain tore from the top to the bottom, and now we can go in. And we can have that intimate fellowship with him. And where he says, I will meet with you and commune with you. So we can do it personally, but we must begin to do it as families. And then, of course, there is the corporate 
meeting with one another, the assembling. Oh, and just God loves this assembling of all his people. So let's look at some more scriptures. Numbers 10, 1 to 10. And uh, in this passage, it says here, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them. They were made out of one piece of silver, and that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly. Did you hear it? The calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves. Notice that again. Some of the assembly. No. All of the assembly. We notice this so often. As you're reading about the assembling, you'll read the all of them assembled the whole house of Israel. And so all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And then you keep reading down to verse 10 and it tells you all the different things uh, that they would blow the trumpets for. And the first one, of course, was when God wanted to speak to his people and to commune with them, he, they had to blow the trumpet. And uh, so they'd blow it. And when they heard the trumpet, what did they do? It says, all the assemble, assembly assembled themselves. It wasn't, oh, the trumpet. Oh, goodness me. Well, I'm in the midst of this big project. And uh, help, goodness me, I can't just, oh, just have to finish this first. Or, oh, we're doing this, or we're doing that. No, when that trumpet blew, they stopped what they were doing. And they assembled themselves. Because God had ways of letting his people know when they were to meet. He had a trumpet. Well, we don't have trumpets today, do we? But, okay, we do have the weekly assembling of ourselves together. And, of course, all the different churches have their different ways, but they've all got church notices. And, um, and today, of course, they have the Internet, and a lot of churches let everybody know what they're doing by Internet. I guess that's like a trumpet. In fact, in our church fellowship here, we have a signal group, and we call it the Hilltop News and Alerts, and it's what's happening at the church and also what's happening on the hilltop. And uh, so everybody knows the time when church starts. Now, you know the time when your church starts. Everybody has different times, but you have a time. You have to have a time. If you didn't have a time, you could not assemble. Because some people would come at nine o'clock and some would think, oh, I think I'll come in the afternoon. And some think, oh, I think I might come at evening. Nobody would be together. No, there has to be a time. And that's why not only this word ya'ad, but there's another Hebrew word, mo'ed, and, they, and there's another one as well. They all have that meaning within them of appointment by time. Yes, assembling by time. And so, 
we have to take notice of that too. And I, I think we really need you because it's amazing how today many people will think, oh, well, what does it matter if I'm a bit late? You know, I'll come when I'm ready. You know, if somebody arrived late for work, they, if they did that two or three times, that's it. They're fired. But isn't it more important to come to the assembling of God's people? Remember, my assembly. Oh, we're coming to God. It belongs to Him. What, what does that, how does it make you feel? Are you really seeing how God sees it? It's his assembly. He wants you there at the right time with all his people. Look, when you all come together at the right time, there's something so exciting about it. When people just drag in at different times, five minutes late, 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late, half an hour late. I mean, the people who are sitting waiting just waiting. When's everybody coming? God is waiting. And he sees, God sees, how what importance you put on the assembling of his people. We, we show the importance we put upon what God says by our actions. I can remember back in New Zealand, um, there was a time when we were just... We were really in revival times. We didn't know it. We thought it was normal. But it was just, they were incredible times. And I can remember when we would meet each Sunday. You didn't just kind of, you know, get there when you could. And in those days, I had all my little children. They were all just little ones. In fact, um, Colin was pastoring, and Sunday mornings he would go to the 6 o'clock prayer meeting, and uh, he would come back to get me and uh, take me when it was time for church. I had to be ready, because we only had one car in those days. And uh, so I had to be ready with the six children, all ready, often a new little baby, um, big roast of meat and vegetables in the oven, waiting for people to bring them home after church. and uh, But I would be ready because I could not wait to get there. And I can remember going and, and we'd go up the stairs. We had our church in this big old theater. And I would just be running up the stairs. People would be running up the stairs. We're running to get there. That's how we're meant to, that's the kind of attitude we are meant to have. Oh, we certainly need a revival, don't we, in our hearts, and then in God's people, and then in this nation. But it starts, what is a revival? It's coming back to God's ways. And, and here, this is one of his biggest ways for his people to meet together. He even organized trumpets to blow and let them know. But now we have all kinds of things to let us know. So we have no excuses. Can I encourage you to try and get 
there on time. Oh, I know it's hard when you've got little babies and children, but you can do all kinds of tricks. You can turn your watch on, um, you know, an extra hour or half hour or something, and, and uh, it'll make you hurry. You'll get there on time, even though it was most probably you would have been late on your watch. But anyway, time has gone so quickly, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord God, your word shows us your heart. It shows us your ways. Help us to walk in your ways. Oh God, we take them so lightly. Help us, Father, Lord, to reverence your ways, to walk in your ways, to be obedient to your ways. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.